Uh, the biggest thing for me was I made a promise to my daughter and I don't break promises to her. I said I would get her a trophy and uh, this one's for her. Well, hello there. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Michael McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. Great to have your company for the next... Well, this could be quite long, actually. Four there's, hours. There's a lot of ground that we need to cover, largely because we didn't do a podcast last week. Sorry about that. That's my fault. I'm going to take full ownership of that one. After two and a half years, COVID finally got me. And there's no way, no way on God's green earth that I could have risked Bryce Ritchie getting COVID. <laughs> Miserable at the best of times, but my God, can you imagine him with the big Rona? On that note, Bryce, good morning. How are you? At my age. <laughs> well, that's it. You're in a vulnerable category. Yeah, now, yeah so. I think so. Yeah, I, I've, I think I was trying. I think I've had it. I have had it. Have you? Yeah, when? I've had it. So I had it when my wee boy got it. When was that? Was it earlier this year? So you have had I've the had full it, bone yeah. vid? I when I think I got it. That's right. I got it two weeks before everything came back to what we think is normal. The new normal. The, the new normal. Mm. Yeah, I got it. So How did I miss that? <sighs> I don't know. Wasn't paying attention, yeah, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah, but I know somebody that my mate's wife has escaped. All her family have had it like three times. Three times? Yeah, and she's escaped it every single time. So in the whole like two and a half, nearly three years, she's she's never once got it. That's incredible. She should be some part of some sort of research group. Yeah, she's like that... What's the, the character in that Bruce Willis film? The Samuel L. Jackson character? Except she's not him. It's the other one. Bruce Willis, when he doesn't get sick. Do you want What's, to just edit this bit out? Maybe, yeah. I'm, I'm now trying to think what that film is. <laughs> this, this is definitely straight back to the podcast. Two minutes in, we're having to chuck <laughs> 40 seconds of garbage out. Once anyway. again, thanks, Galloway. <laughs> <laughs> what Bruce Willis film? I'm, I'm going to have to look it up during the break. That's really annoying me. Twelve Monkeys? No. There's a film with Bruce Willis when he cannot get ill or sick or anything like that. He's basically invincible. Uh, Let's move on. It will come to me. Yeah, okay. Good. Yes, anyway, I'm back. Um, Thanks for your concern. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting there. I was slightly concerned when he realised you hadn't said anything in the WhatsApp group for maybe three hours. When was that? On the Sunday morning? On the Sunday morning. Off the Open Championship, Michael. Get with it. This is the thing. (laughs) I went to bed about midnight-ish on Saturday night after the third round of the Open. I recorded the Open Commute with Evan Priest, edited it, uploaded it, went to my bed, and as I got into bed, I was shivering violently. And I thought, I'm just tired. That's fine. Woke up the next morning, still shivering violently, and... Loads of other symptoms. As a result, I missed all of the final rounds. I was lying in my bed in the rental house, not in a good place. Yeah. 150th open, and that's how it ended for me. Yeah, not great. And then missed a couple of days of work as well. So, hence, no podcast last week. Yeah, a bit of a shite end. Really, <laughs> yeah, it was. It? A it great was. week. I know, that's the thing. I mean, it would have been... Dare I say it, it would have been even worse had Rory won. And there was one point in the afternoon on Sunday when I had open radio on on the laptop and was trying my best to follow it on social media as best I could because obviously there's no free TV coverage 
of the open these days. The rental house we had doesn't no sky. sky. That's honestly that's that was a shocker. By the way, no poor students. Oh, is that? Well, is that's a student, student house? house during the year. <laughs> it's a studenty kind of place. Studenty kind of place, and they had no sky. Horrific. It was like something out of the the prehistoric ages. Yeah. So I couldn't watch it, and there was one point though when, in between bouts of semi consciousness, I looked at my phone and saw that Rory had a two shot lead, and I thought, right, McEwen, bring it together. You're going to need to be down there in the media centre for this. I had questions I wanted to ask him. Nah. So in some ways it was a relief that Cam Smith won. Oh. Because I would have hated to have missed Rory winning the Claret Jug. But that's me being very selfish. That's extremely selfish and frankly I find that disgusting. <laughs> but I so, know what you mean. <laughs> so on that incredibly, incredibly horrible note, you watched it live, Bryce, from the comfort of your sofa. What did I miss? You missed possibly what I thought was going to be one of the best finishes to an open for a long time. And I'll skip the almost Rory's entire back nine. But when he rifled his approach into seventeen, I thought, here we go, this could be this could be spectacular. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of fizzled out. I do genuinely feel for Rory. I know there was a bit of chat about, you know, his typical back last round, a bit of a choke, and some people were saying that. Not too many. But I thought Rory was great. The problem on is on the Sunday specific. Yeah, as well, I thought yeah. he was great. He just didn't if you look at you look at the highlights, which I'm sure you have. I have, yes. Uh, he missed so many putts by yeah. inches, less than that. And watching it not in real time, it feels to me like that was all down to Cam Smith. Yeah. He, he put the pressure on. Potentially, so. yeah. He had he had the Sunday round that Cam had on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that that's just the way it goes. I don't really think there's much more Rory could have done. I know there's this, well, he could have hold more putts. Of course he could have. But I thought he played well. And I thought he played reasonably aggressive as well. The one thing that disappointed me on Sunday was the fact that I thought Hovland played quite conservative. And I do think if Hovland had played more aggressive and put on a charge, I wonder if Rory would have been a wee bit more aggressive. Now, it's hard to tell whether Rory's playing aggressive golf eh, or whether he's playing conservative, but I definitely thought Hovland was playing conservative. Some of the options that he took off the tee, I thought were a bit head-scratching. And I do think that affected Rory. Because suddenly you could see Rory looking at leaderboards. He could see Rory's face. Rory's face in the 17th, as he was watching Cam Smith up 18, you could see him thinking, almost read his mind, thinking, I wonder if I've left this too late. Mm-hmm. He's almost, I mean, he had a chance to, to do something absolutely spectacular. But it just looked like he knew it just wasn't going to happen. He'd been beaten to it. And I think that's a case of Rory was beaten on Sunday. He didn't lose it. He was beaten. Well, you shoot 64 as Cam Smith did. Absolutely. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, I know we'll go on to Cam Smith in a minute, but Rory was, I thought he did, I thought he did almost everything right. It was just, it was the first time, you know what, it's the first time in a long time where I've watched Rory on a Sunday and I thought the first nine holes, he's got this. But he never, he, nothing really happened after that. It was pretty heartbreaking to watch. Mm-hmm. It, he just didn't really make any mistakes, but he didn't really make any significant moves. And I think on the front nine, he just needed to get himself 
on the front foot a bit more than he did because I remember thinking on the eighth and ninth, I thought if someone goes in a charge here, he's not, he's not, and he's not straight, he's not out enough on his own to withstand any mistakes. And the amazing thing is, he actually didn't make any mistakes, mm-hmm. and he still yeah. didn't win. Yep. And I, and the one thing I thought that that old course, I thought it was magnificent. Yeah, thought we'll, it set we'll, up a great test. We'll we'll come to the old course in a little bit more detail shortly. Let's let's stick with Rory because I thought his performance across the week, never mind Sunday. He looked very much in control of his game in a way that he hasn't looked in control of his game at majors for a long time. What I mean by that is Rory has been able to show up in majors and maybe one good round, one average round, one bad round, another good round. He looked totally in command of his game, went in only one bunker across 72 holes, hold out for eagle from it. Then you had the, the destiny element as well with yeah. Tiger Woods waving farewell, but not really. And then... Rory being the guy to step in and pick up the baton, all the noise around Lev, everything. It felt like Rory was just primed. Felt like he was turning a corner. I think everybody felt that. The crowd were with him. I mean, I I, I walked a lot of his round on the Saturday, and there was only one guy in the golf course. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. That that was it. There was only one guy in that golf course. Everyone would, and he knew it. But he channeled it the right way. He wasn't getting overly concerned with the the support. I thought his his mental game was pretty strong. I still think even on Sunday his mental game was pretty strong. You're right, that that looked like a different Rory. He looked completely in control. But the thing is, how many times have we now said Rory's had a good year and off we go for a six, seven, eight month break until the Masters where he's got to come out and find that form again yeah. in the run-up to the Masters. And he's going to have all the pressure on him at the Masters. I will say this. I think if he's turned a corner in his game, it's not just the fact that he looks as though he's in control of his game. Mentally, I think Rory's in a pretty strong place. I, th- I think that what he said after the round was superb. That he He's strong. He knows what he's got to do. He didn't look devastated. No. He looked... I think upset, deep down but, he's yeah. devastated, but he channeled that yeah. the right way, and that's that's proper. And I think what was it at uh, Augusta this year? I do think that he played well. I mean, he rattled through his performances in the master in the the op- the majors this year. And I think if you look at them, he, he actually didn't have his full game in those majors, mm-hmm. and he still played some great stuff. I thought his irons were poor at the start of the season, but he's got through with some great finishes, and this was the first time everything came together in the one week, and he get pipped by a guy who just shot the lights out. Well, let's talk about that guy. Cam Smith, as I said, 64 to win it. The first Australian to win the Open since... Go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My head is going. Greg Norman? Oh, you're kidding me on. Is it? Check that, but yeah, I'm almost certain it is. Yeah, it has to be. Stuart Appleby lost in a playoff, did yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be. And only the third Aussie to win the Open at St Andrews, if you can name the other two. And really, you should, because we had big features on them in our book. Uh, Peter Thompson as one. And... Oh. <laughs> Kelnagel. That's it, Kelnagel. That's it, Kelnagel. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long it's, couple it's of weeks. It's Monday morning. Come on. 
Look, what what an incredible way to win the Open Championship. And as you said, he did win it. Nobody threw it away. Cam Smith produced the round of the week, really, when it mattered the most. Had that been Rory shooting 64 to win, people would be calling it one of the great rounds in Open history, yeah. particularly on the back nine when he was rattling off birdies. Well, it, it was the great round in Open history. Well, the back nine, anyway. Yeah, it's funny. I spoke to my dad. I always like to get my dad's opinion in. <laughs> they go off and he said, you know, he's just a putter. The end of the day, he's just a putter. <laughs> About Cam Smith? Uh-huh. I thought, for goodness sake. Ouch. Well, he is, he is technically he's one of the worst drivers on tour. His stats are mm-hmm. poor. But his putting display on the Sunday was just outrageous. I mean, if some guy's in contention and doesn't make any mistakes and rattles off five birdies in the back nine, there really isn't much else the field can do. No. That's pretty sensational. I thought he was outrageously good. It's some of the best golf I've seen down the stretch in an open for a long, long time. And I and I I even mean that better than Mickelson and Stenson because they were going at it with each other mm-hmm. so they can see what's they can trade off each other. Cam Smith was largely doing it on his own and he knew that he had he didn't have the crowd. He was in front of Rory. So if he made a mistake, Rory had the time to make it up. Yeah. I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I've just checked. Yeah, Greg Norman was the most recent Aussie winner. You're just double-checking that, just in just, case we're Just double-checking. Well, you know what it's like? You always get, I don't know about you, but now we're getting DMs going, hey, could I just bring your attention to yes. 22 minutes and 36 seconds? <laughs> like, no, you can't. Okay. No, you can't, because we're going to edit you out live. <laughs> Look, let's talk about St Andrews itself. The golf course rather than the championship. Much talk, as there ever is about the old course and is it still a relevant test? Let's rewind to the Monday and the Tuesday of the week and everyone was talking about 59s and all I could think of was what Jack Nicholas told us in the magazine. Yes, somebody could shoot a 59 but nobody ever has and the best they managed to do was what, 64? 64, yeah. That tells me that golf course, for all of its flaws, for all of the idiosyncrasies, for how it lends itself to slow play, still one of the best tests in golf. Did it create excitement? Yes. End of story. Now, I'm not part of the rollback committee, and I know the people... You're not? People criticise me for my opinion on that, saying I don't know what I'm talking about. I couldn't care less. Is there a part of me that would like to see them have a few longer irons and maybe a couple of a couple of holes that would maybe change a few things. Yes. But that golf course was a great watch. Not particularly if you're there. But I thought it w- I thought it ticked every box and it had the possibility to piss a few players off. It pissed off Matt Fitzpatrick. He mm-hmm. hates it. You know, he, he basically said it's not fair. You know, look at the the pins that were putting in that the that they had to put in the side of greens, and he didn't like it. And But the, the thing is, the RNA can put those pins there because the green speeds are not ridiculous. Yep. So it's the only real major venue that's protected, not protected necessarily by green speeds. So to me, that says how what a good golf course it is. They're probably the slowest greens of all the majors. It's probably the slowest greens of any major in years. Yeah, I think the greens on practice days were 10.2, if I remember right. And that was the fastest it got, I think. So, I I, I thought it was excellent. I do think it's a bit of a quirk to go back and tell. It's like a 
romantic visit back in time. Mm-hmm. And I think players accept that. Yes, it's got a few drivable par fours. Good. You know what? It was built hundreds <laughs> of years ago. It was created by cows. Why are people upset by drivable par fours? I know it used to be. It used to have more holes, and then they realised they wanted to change the way, so they had just shared greens. And thing is, people forget this. You wouldn't build a golf course like the old course today. If you're going out to build a golf course, you would not build the old course. It would be stupid because mm-hmm. you have to wait in every tee, and you cross fairways, and there's double greens. There's only three or four holes of get their own green. So, in that sense, it's daft. And it is a bit of a ridiculous course, but it's the old course. And it's got history, and it's got prestige. Suck it up. It makes a great championship. Is there something they could do at nine to make it a little bit more of a challenge? I do think that's that stretch, nine, ten. I wonder if there's just something could, that they could do to I'd, make I'd it... I don't think there's any chance they would. Like a, a bunker in the middle of the fairway or short of the green or something. You, you, there are things you could do. But I don't think of they want it is, to. No, because the last thing you want is to slow play down even yeah. more there. If players are getting stuck in a, a greenside bunker that's there just to make the hole more challenging, that bottleneck would become ridiculous. Uh-huh. Besides, as I've said, who cares? It's a drivable par four. I know. If you score better than everyone else on that hole, Good on you. Mm-hmm. Shake your hand. Scoring isn't that much different. No. And they didn't they, they didn't technically rip it to bits. No, they didn't. they didn't. And that's what the rollback crowd cannot stand. That guys did not go round and shoot 59, 58. They've been saying for years they're going to tear up the old course, they're going to tear up the old course. These guys, we all know who they are. 58, 59, it's coming. They're going to rip up the old course. They're just going to tear it to bits. The best players in the world played it again. In Guess perfect what? conditions. In perfect conditions. It was a little bit windy at some times, but... Oh, not, s- not, not windy I've enough to make a material wind. difference. No. And you know what? They didn't tear it to bits. I think that essentially is a f- almost like the final nail in the coffin of that argument. The 150th celebrations themselves. Now, I've got, got slightly mixed feelings about this because whilst it was a great build-up and it created nice storylines and you had some fun stuff happening early in the week... Can you tell me who won the 100th Open? I actually did know this. But it doesn't jump to mind. Do you know why? Because actually, it's not that important. I know, but I, I do think back then, it wasn't it wasn't that big a deal either. But it's just think, the 150th. I know, I know. You know, I, give it, I know what you mean. Give it 22, 23 years, people will be going, was it Cam Smith or was it Shane Lowry? I know, but I think it's just because it's an, it, it's an occasion at the time and people were invested in it because... That is the first time I've been in the merch tent at the Open where it's been insane. How many times have you been in the merch tent at the Open and there's just been people browsing? A lot. I was in there and stuff was gone on the Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Gone. On the Saturday, the shutters up. Stopped selling certain brands. The guy said they'd never known anything like it. I think they I just think. tried a bit harder though as well, which yeah. is a lesson in itself. And I think on the Tuesday... That was the most successful merch day in open history. Is that right? Yeah. More sales in that day than any other day in open history. So now, is that, that because the stuff was all 150th branded or because they tried harder because it was 150th? I think it was a mix of both. The you know, some of the some of the clothes were pretty cool. I, I memo to the RNA, more t shirts. <laughs> yes. People like that. Go to yep. Augusta T shirts. There must That's be about there must be about 25 different t-shirts you can buy at Augusta. Mm-hmm. I counted at St Andrews, I think I think they sold about three. 
And the best t-shirt was the kids one, which didn't fit me. <laughs> Shock. I know. But I, th- I, th- I thought it was great. You know, if it sells out, they're doing something right. Yep. I do think they weren't quite prepared for how successful it would be. But to back to the original point, I thought the 150th was a great open. I know what you mean. But at the, it's to celebrate at the time. Yeah, it's an occasion to be remembered yes. in the immediate aftermath. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was nice. That's all, that's the best I can say about it. They got it right. You know, I mean, the RNA, I'm sure, can sit back, do their debriefs and go, yeah, we, we smashed that. I think the town is funny because I think a lot of people, I think the town would have been a lot busier had the trains have not yeah. this disaster with the trains. I know some people said some of the bars were expecting it to be busier. And one of the bars said on the Friday night that they weren't that busy. Which on a Friday night of that open, 280, 290,000 mm-hmm. people, biggest open ever. And they weren't that busy. Yeah, people obviously leaving early. People were leaving yeah. early. I thought that with Tiger, you know, well, there we go. talk about that man then, Tiger Woods. It wasn't goodbye on the Friday night, but or Friday afternoon, rather. Kind of felt like it though. <sighs> Did it? Yeah. I think it felt like a goodbye, and then as he was going up 18, it didn't. I thought that it was, to all intents and purposes, a goodbye to the Tiger Woods that you knew and that you've grown up with yeah. in the last 20 years. His walk over the bridge, the fact that his playing partners held back, that's not just showing deference to him. I think that's because Max Homer and Matt Fitzpatrick themselves were uncertain as to whether or not he was going to take a pause and sort of wave farewell a little bit you know no one quite knew what he was going to do until he did it now a lot made of the fact that he didn't pause and he kept on walking then there was a huge evasion and there was tears on tiger's behalf i think quite honestly yes it was a little bit spontaneous but i genuinely do believe that was tiger admitting without verbalizing it i'm done i'll be back i'm still going to play in opens and i haven't played my last open at st andrews but it won't be here but to be honest, see Tiger Woods, the guy that was winning majors at a record clip. I'm admitting right now, that guy's gone. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think I know that Max Homer and Matt Fitzpatrick sort of had a wee look at each other and then <laughs> had a well, just I will let him go. Yeah, and I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think he's done. I think we know that uh, there's a, the next issue. We'll touch on a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say too much, but. Well, especially because I've not finished writing it yet. Yeah, true. Let's not put words in people's mouths. Um, <laughs> but we have spoken to a few people who've said they feel that it's a new era. Mm-hmm. I do think this is the end of the Tiger that we know. Does he look like a guy that can compete to me? No. Exactly. I think there's a lot of talk. I think the American media, I think some of the American bro media would love him to be this tiger and he's the cat's back and all this stuff. That is complete nonsense. He's not back. He doesn't look like he compete. If he goes and gets seven, eight months of recuperation, strength, whatever, we'll still see. But to me, he does not look like a guy that can compete. Not I know, even close. I know we're effectively writing him off. And well, Rory McIlroy played some of the best golf he's played in years and still didn't win a major. That tells you how bloody tough it is. Uh-huh. It's never been, we keep saying it's never been any harder to win on the PGA Tour or DP World Tour, the majors, whatever you want to say it is. Now, God, we need to get all that right. But it's never been any harder. He just doesn't look like a guy that can mix it with the best. I think he's going to turn up and I think he's going to be a bit of a, 
showpiece at yeah. majors, and that's and not that right. I don't like that. I, I that's why I said this a few times during the week. I wish he would just draw a line now and say, well, "I'm done." I don't think he can, and I think he's caught because that's that's the thing is that we said this in the week before. If he can't compete at the Masters, the US Open, the PGA, and the Open. That's the only ones he cares about. If he can't really compete, what's the point? Because he doesn't look like a guy that's going to be... He doesn't look like Sandy Lyle that's just going to keep going no matter what. He's just going to keep giving it and he's not going to be competing at all, but he's just going to keep playing. That does. He doesn't appear to be that type of guy. He's always So said, why do you think he's going to keep showing up then? That's it. I, I, I don't understand it. I have no idea why he's going to keep turning up. I, do, I just don't get it because he can't compete. Yeah, well, this is the whole point. But Tiger, he clearly thinks he can. Tiger, does he though? That's that's the thing. I'm I'm starting to think that he's losing faith. And when he does completely lose faith, he, he, he's, he's got to look at what Cam Smith did, what Rory did, what Hovland did, what Cameron Young did and go, on my very best week, yeah, maybe, but I don't have those kind of weeks anymore. You know, the next Open Championship, I'm going to be 48. I thought I, I thought he was, I thought he was a bit really quite poor. Yeah, of course Andrews, he was. He and why does anyone expect any different? I know. The guy can barely walk. I know. So, but this is the thing. That so he's, is, he's 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 a competitor, right? Everyone says Tiger Woods is the greatest competitor. I still think he is, but he, as you said, he's not competitive. That is a very subtle difference, and but it's also absolutely everything with where Tiger Woods is and where he could potentially go. He's not going to become more competitive. If anything, I think he's going to become yes, less. Yes, I, I, I totally agree with that. It, so that's the, why I wish he would just The trend go, is going in the wrong direction. Correct. So that's why you want him to go, I'm done. Because I don't want to see Tiger Woods a ceremonial golfer. When, when you, look, you look... You look at the Masters. We all celebrated him making the cut. Now I think know. about that. I know. It's, we it's celebrated mad. Tiger Woods making a cut at the Masters. I, I think that's because we wanted him to be there and... and and to be there at the weekend at Augusta. Of course. I, and I get that. There's a lot of hope in the reporting of Woods. Mm -hmm. At the JP, he couldn't walk. I don't care what anyone says. Right? He couldn't walk. So I have was. eyes. I can see that guy is physically struggling. And he was in a buggy. He looks like a guy that is struggling to walk. And every now and then he's bending down to pick the ball out the hole in his right leg and so on. And it's just, he just looks like it's all an act. And I just think it's time to go. I, I, I followed MotoGP for years. Valentino Rossi, an absolute legend of the sport. I mean, that guy, sport. Uh, shut it. That guy built MotoGP. Mm -hmm. Valentino, Valentino Rossi is a living legend. And for two years, he's been non-existent in the sport. Crashing, not getting podiums, not winning, just nowhere near it, nowhere near the championship. And everyone said... I wish he would just quit. The guy's a legend. Just quit. And he did. Last year, he did. He said, I'm going. And he's maintained that stasis, status of being a legend. That's. I, I'm not saying I want Woods to quit, but I don't see the point in him turning up four times a year to be a ceremonial golfer and get sympathy claps going over the bridge and sympathy claps for not making a cut. And tear, just that doesn't, to me, that doesn't seem like the end to the greatest career in golf. I do think that's a bit, yeah. it's heartbreaking to see that. 
Is this Matt, guy we used to measure by major wins and now we're handing out participation certificates yeah, and to I, I just, just I don't like that. Something's not right about that. And I, I thought he's, he's tears in the 18th. Also, I thought it was quite sad, but it confused me because I thought, why, what, why is he so emotional? Is it just because of St Andrews? Maybe, maybe that was the realisation that he needed was it's Friday and I'm getting an evasion like it's Sunday. I'm nowhere near making the cut, never mind contending. Yeah, probably I'm done. Maybe that was the instant at him. Uh huh. Maybe. We'll never know because he's never going to divulge that kind of info. I just hate seeing him toil. It was great to see him come back at Augusta this year. When I was flying out there and the rumours were going, by the way, Tiger's going to play. Unreal. That's 71 on the Thursday. We're going to look back Amazing. on that yeah. in time. And I think we'll go, that was one of his top three rounds. How the hell did ever. he do that? How did he do it? There's wee things like that I just that I now don't like. I like about what I'm seeing. Like when he was on the practice putting green and he's knocking his ball up to Rory and he's yeah. hitting Rory's feet. And I just think, what's going on here? Like, no offence, but that guy's trying to win the Open. Mm-hmm. How would Tiger have taken that to somebody doing that to him in 2005? Well, that's the point, Bryce. Jack never did. No. Jack never did that. No, I don't. That's what I, it's like a new, a new woods. And I just can't quite get my head around that. And there, it doesn't need to be this way. No, he can just leave. Mm-hmm. I, do I want Tiger Woods to be done with golf? Of course I don't. He's Tiger Woods. But do I want this guy to be done with playing mm-hmm. golf and trying and failing? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. because I remember the great Tiger Woods, the mm-hmm. Tiger that. Bookies were taking bets on whether or not he could win every tournament he played. Think about that. Every tournament in a calendar year. I remember the Tiger Woods that won seven events in a row. The Tiger that won the career Grand Slam at St Andrews. Not the guy that limped over the Swilkin Bridge. Mm-hmm. The time has come. He has. Mm-hmm. For his legacy, I'm not saying it's going to be tainted. I'm saying his legacy's complete. Now he needs to leave. Anyway, on that note... Made myself feel a little bit uh, emotional. A wee bit. Speaking of emotions, Bryce, how's this for a link? Richie Ramsey winning the Kazoo Classic. His first win on the DP World Tour in seven years. His fourth overall. He won at Hillside in pretty clutch fashion, must be said, yesterday, holding an eight-foot par putt at the last to win. And what about those celebrations? Now... We, we've spoken a lot in this pod, I know I certainly have, grinds my gears when a guy wins a big event, picks his ball out the hole, takes his cap off and, eh, yeah, thanks very much. You don't get that with Richie. Mm-hmm. No, he's a pretty intense guy. Well, he's actually a very intense guy. He's <laughs> always, he, he, we've always had that debate with other Scottish journalists that have said, you know, is he too intense? We've always had that private conversation. Is he a li- little, does he look inward too much and so on? And that that's just the way he is. He's had a great career, you know. I, I can't believe he's what thirty, what nine, thirty nine. Yeah. Can't believe he's thirty nine. Honestly, I know. How many players would love to have Richie Ramsey's career? That's it. He's won more than Andrew Coulter. You know, he's won more Jeez. than a few players. He's got the same amount of DP wins as I think Stephen Gallagher, Mark Warren. Mm-hmm. He's had a great career. He did one thing that no Scottish golfer's done for over a hundred years, and that was win the US Amateur. That's sensational in itself. Did I think he would win again? I'll be honest and say no. Because he, he just he was in a bad place and he'd said that himself. He looks to be struggling, but isn't golf just unreal sometimes? <laughs> no. Well, he never gave up. No, he That's never the thing gave about up. Richie was that no matter how tough it got, and this is true for a lot of players. This isn't unique to Richie. Just kept grinding. Uh-huh. He puts in an unbelievable amount of graft, and great to see him win. 
I know he wanted to do it for his wee girl. Our daughters are roughly the same age. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. You you want to you want your kids to see you at your best, doing what you do best. So he's got that. I know he's very keen on golf course design. I'm sure that when he yeah, does yeah. finally step away, he's going to be involved in golf for a long time to come. And it does not surprise me in the slightest that a connoisseur of great golf courses won on a great golf course like that. So delighted for Richie. I'll tell you what, it throws him an opportunity over the next six, eight months that he could he could be moving to Pastures New. Oh, That's what the a thing. good point that is. That's the thing. If, if Richie goes and has another, another top week, He's looking at a quite a twilight end to an unbelievable career. Yeah, the point Bryce making there, in case you haven't picked up on it, is that the top 10 players on the race to Dubai at the end of this season who don't already have a PGA Tour card will be getting one as a result of this expanded strategic alliance between the DP World Tour and PGA Tour. So, yeah, it hadn't even occurred to me. Lots to play for. Can I also tip of the cap to Darren Clark? Winning the Senior Open. Now, look, I've been saying this for ages. I genuinely believe the over-50 circuit right now is the most fun tour in golf. Senior golf right now is great fun. And despite the challenges posed by the weather, I loved that Senior Open. I thought it was brilliant viewing. I'll be honest, I didn't see much of it. But from what I did watch, it made me want to invest myself in it because all the names were and I hate to say this, but almost my generation. It made you nostalgic. I yeah. had the same thing. But not no, not not necessarily nostalgic, but I kind of I remember when I first started covering golf, the seniors tour I had no interest in because it was just It was old, just old Tom old, Morris old, and Willie <laughs> Park. <laughs> yeah, old guys. But you know, even Tonghai J D. Yeah. I know all about Tonghai JD and Ernie Els, you know, Harrington, Clark, Laurie, Monte, all these neat, like why Yang was playing Langer, just how ridiculous is it that Bernard Langer is still playing top level competitive golf and not falling asleep halfway around the golf I mean, course? He's, he's, what is he now? 96, 97? 96, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Simon Can as a senior golfer. How the hell is that possible? How, what the? F- I mean, unreal. Thomas Lovey, Stuart Appleby. Yeah, it's it's superb, and I think from what I saw of the golf course, King's Course is just outrageously good, magnificent golf course. And I, how many times have we said this off mic? But there needs to be there needs to be a top level golf tournament on the King's Course. I want to see what they would do because they probably would rip it up. But I'm sure there's things that they could do to change that. But it's just it's just such a pity that it can't be used for a major golf tournament because it's so good. It's so exciting. Yeah. And I don't care if somebody wins 23, 24 under par because there's tournaments in America where they do that. Have that tournament in Scotland. It would be amazing. There's just something about Glen Eagles. I've always said it deserves more. Yeah. I think it was outrageously good. Well said. How good, like you say, who gives a toss if they shoot 25, 26 under par? Also, what I might mention, Brooke Henderson won the Evian Championship now Canada's most successful major champion of all time. The Evian's a funny one for me because it is a new addition to the major championship, what would you call it, portfolio, I guess, in the women's game. Relatively recent. Still not entirely sure that it feels like a major. No. But it is one, and all the big players showed up, and Brooke Henderson walked away with the trophy, so congratulations to her. 
Focus now switching to the Trust Women's Scottish Open this week, followed by the AIG Women's Open at Muirfield next week. That is a date I've had marked in my calendar for some time. The best women in the world playing Muirfield, which must be top two golf courses in Scotland, in my opinion. Cannot wait to see how they tackle it. Yes, there's the mm, political stuff as well. Don't care. Well, that's all gone now. But I, I know it will be fascinating to see how they got on because Muirfield's about as pure as it gets. Yeah, it, It's as honest a golf course as you'll find. And I can't wait to see how they take it on. How many points did you get when you played it that time? Uh, not very many, but I did play it in about a 47 mile an hour wind. Okay, double figures. Uh, Moving swiftly on. <laughs> and Tony Fina won the 3M Open. Now a three-time winner on the PGA Tour. Who knew? It can be done. Hey? It can be done. Before we head into the ad break, Bryce, I've got a little quiz question for you. What? So, men's major golf season is over for another year. Only nine players made the cut in all four of them. Your task is to name them. Don't Google it. I'm not. I'm typing it. Nine players. That's what we're looking for. Nine players that made the cut in all four men's majors this year. The Masters, the US PGA, US Open and the Open. Let's see how many you can get and feel free to play along at home as well. Loads more to come on this week's episode, including, you guessed it, Live Golf. When we think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about smashing it. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know. But I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think of... Oh, that's bombed. With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Smoked it. Bombed. See ya. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back, part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway. Bryce, get this, episode number 101. If you include all the commutes and specials and bonuses, we've now done 100, this is the 101st episode of the pod. It's not bad. People said it would never last. Did we mention the 100th? No. <laughs> <laughs> and right now the PR department is going mental. That's fine. Go back and listen to our 100th anniversary episode. It was a good one. It was. But yeah, here we are. 101 yeah. episodes. Can I also point something out? I forgot to do this in part one, but when we're talking about the Open and the RNA smashing it, which they did, there is one thing that I would like the RNA to do differently going forward and an opportunity I think they missed this year. See the trophy presentation? Have Ant and Deck do it? No thanks. The Junior Open takes place earlier in the week and young Scottish lad Connor Graham frightening talent won that particular event why is he not involved in the the ceremony well it's, and what they could do because r and are all about growing the game and how many times during the week did we hear 20,000 kids are here for free this week why not have that kid present the claret jug to the new champion golfer yeah. of the year it's better that than what if he drops it Listen, of all the people who are going to drop it, it's probably the old guy that they'll wheel out Ooh. in a blazer to hand it over. I just, I look at that prize given and I think, do we really need, what is he, the, the captain or the chairman know, of the I, championship I, I've, I've committee? Always, it's always a little bit fluff. Yeah. So I, just a wee bit. I know, I know it's I know the know thing. But to be fair, they did, 
they brought in players from all over to celebrate the the champions event, whatever it was called. You know, Georgia Hall and and some players, and I thought that was great. yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, that was brilliant. But no, maybe I'll send a note to Martin and see what he says. <laughs> Don't tell him it's my idea. <laughs> if you do. <laughs> Also, a couple of weeks ago, we had a competition on the podcast to win a Callaway staff stand bag. Rogue ST emblazoned. It is beautiful. And because we weren't here last week, we couldn't pick a winner. But we have done. Bryce, your I've magic won words. It. <laughs> your beauty. Bryce, your what magic words. chances are of that? Yes, calm down. Not not happening. Oh, okay, okay. Besides the sponsors, they'll probably send us one for you. All right, okay. Your magic word was moonshine. Most of you got that correct, apart from the one guy who selected, please select from drop down. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and the lucky winner is Stephen Campbell from Old Kilpatrick. Well done, Stephen. Well Your done, bag Stephen. is in the post to you soon. Speaking of Callaway golf bags, the big bag trail that they put on during the Open Championship and the run up to the Open Championship as well, they auctioned off all those really cool sculptures yeah, of the yeah. bags. Yep. The full story on it is on the Bunkered website, so go and check it out. But they auctioned off all those bags at the end of the championship and raised an incredible £126,000 for Chaz and Scottish Sport Amazing. Futures. Amazing. We were at the Callaway Shindig on the Monday night. They explained all about this concept, about how the, the winning bag was chosen. Brilliant design by Iona Turner. And the story behind it, is brilliant from start to finish. A great idea to engage the local community, to engage kids, and then to raise money for two brilliant causes at the same time. So kudos to Callaway. Brilliant job. Very well done. Okay. 45 degree twist. Live golf. Event number three is listen to this sigh. <laughs> I thought I thought we were going to do the quiz there. I thought, right, here we go, here we go. Live golf. Oh, no. How many have you got out of the nine, by the way? I don't know. You have to tell me. How many names have you written down? I've got... I think I've got nine. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be brilliant. So, we'll come to that in a little while. First, live. As I say, event number three taking place this week at Trump Bedminster in uh, New Jersey Eastern Seaboard anyway Bedminster which of course <laughs> somewhere <is> made, <laughs> over there somewhere in the States looking at the map somewhere to the right <laughs> well look Bedminster was meant to host the USPGA Championship this year then it was stripped of it yeah, because yeah, yeah. January the 6th and the riots and the owners part in all of that oh the riots right, okay anyway event number three you know the deal by now 48 players Teams, shotgun start, 54 holes, and there are some new players added into the mix this time around. Perhaps not the players that people were anticipating, certainly in the wake of the Open, but Jason Cockrack, Charles Howell III, aka Chucky Three Sticks, and Henrik Stenson are now all part of the Live Golf family. They're going straight in to this week's event. Bryce, first and foremost, we were excited about event one at Centurion just to see how it went. We were then excited about event number two at Pumpkin Ridge to see if they could maintain the momentum that they had after event one and because it was the first love event in the States. Are you excited about event three? Uh, intrigued. Maybe not so much excited. Definitely intrigued. Intrigued in what way? I'm just keen to see how this is going to progress. 
because it's not necessarily the event itself. I know what's going to happen. Someone's going to get 120,000 for being completely mince. And someone's going to get, <laughs> someone's gonna get, I think, what, four million for winning. Yep. There's no cut. They're not going to play 72 holes. They're just going to play 54. And there's going to be some horrific PR videos, mainly involving uh, Graham McDowell. But he's had, a, he's had a good few weeks. Aye. Uh, it's, the, it's the progression talk that I think is going to be the big thing this week about what's coming and an update on the tour itself and I think there'll be a few big names who'll have their say who'll no doubt get a lot of the limelight. Expand. Mr Trump I'm sure will turn up and I'm sure he'll have something to say about how this is going to be the future tour of golf and it's just going to be interesting to see what Greg Norman says because it's all it's gathering pace, isn't it? You have to say, yeah. and they're getting some names. If if you listen to, if you believe some of the rumours of what's going to happen after the FedEx, I really am a concerned about the future of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Absolutely. I think we're going to have to start admitting that this is potentially going to be here to stay. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. That's for certain. Trump's an interesting one. He's already made some comments in the media or on his own social media site. What's that called again? Is it Truth Social? Truth Social, something like that. <laughs> Can't say I've got an account. But he's been making some comments about how the players in golf right now should be taking the money whilst it's there. You know, just cash in. Because let's be honest, the FedEx is just kind of pennies, really. Yeah. You only get about £22 million for winning the FedEx, don't you? I think all the bonus money, that's just... Can he pay the car wash guy with that? <laughs> You're gonna have to lay off one of the gardeners. <laughs> it's it, I can't help but feel that it does stink a little bit because there's it's just money. As I think I said before on the pod after watching the second one, I struggled to understand what it was all about, struggled to understand what it meant. It, yeah, it's got some great players. The field is the field improved from event one to event two, and it's done so from two to three. It's getting better, and it's going to keep getting better. But am I really that invested in what I'm watching? I spoke to somebody who was involved loosely with Liv at the Open. We had a good chat, and he said that they were wanting to make golf more exciting. That's what this is about. It's about creating something that is a newer product, more entertaining, People don't have the time to watch golf as much as they used to. And I'm, I'm, that's fine. I'm all for that. That's fine. My point is that this has already been done. They have tried this, not on this scale, right? But there's been elements of, you know, trying to bring in mixed events, play more golf. That was it, play sport. Well, not play sport. What was it called? Power play, play golf. Power play golf. We play two flags and there's points and all that stuff. Boring. Yeah, we've we've tried that, but it, to me, it seems like a fight for viewing figures and big TV money. And you soon find out whether the TV networks want live or whether they want PG mm. Tour Golf. It does seem a bit strange because it, it it is a bit of a hostile takeover. Yep. Because if they're trying to do good 
then why are they having to go and buy people to play in it? Totally. Surely if it's that good, they'll just come anyway. It's the belligerence that's kicking off in the past few weeks that I'm not it's, enjoying. It's getting a bit nasty. Yeah, you know, particularly things like, simple things like Graham McDowell making what I'm sure he thought was a, a really funny joke when he was talking about the Open. He tweeted something on the Saturday evening when Rory was making his charge and getting into position. And McDowell tweeted something along the lines of, you know, this is great, brilliant watching this, but the pace of play has been poor. Maybe shotgun starts are the future. And look, he's having a laugh. Do you think he was having a laugh? Genuinely, yeah. I just think he's that thick. I genuinely think he's that thick. Because you have to say to yourself, well, he's one of two things, right? He's either deadly serious, and he thinks that the Open Championship would be improved with shotgun starts. He either believes that, or he is nowhere near as funny as he thinks he is. And it's just the whole point of, why even make that comment? Mm -hmm. Regardless of which it is, read the room. Read the room, man, you've got to... There's a lot of people out there who love live. I get it. There's a lot of people. There's also a lot of fake spam bot accounts out there mm -hmm. doing some heavy lifting for them. But there are a lot of people who like this. There are a lot of people who don't. And you're not going to change hearts and minds and get any kind of positive PR if you're just being a gobshite. Mm. You look at the players that they've signed up. They've signed the loudest players. Now, that's a great move in one sense because that's where all the eyes are drawn to. The players who are confrontational, they're never more than a boy, or is the only way I can put it, away from doing something extraordinary, good or bad. Do they have the best players in the world? No, they don't. But they have the players that people are fascinated by. So that's quite a smart move because people gravitate towards them. But what they don't need is people turning off to those guys because they're doing things like Pat Perez did wearing his dollar bill t-shirt. They're just being aggravating. Mm -hmm. I find some of it absolutely head-scratching, but some of it not. Because clearly signing Stenson is a move to disrupt. That's what that is. There's, why would they really want Henrik Stenson on their tour? There's a reason why he's the Ryder Cup captain. His game's falling apart. His game's not competitive anymore. That's why he's Ryder Cup captain. That's why Rory's not going to be the Ryder Cup captain because he's playing. He's in the middle of his career. Stenson's not. His best is past him. So why would you want a guy like that to join your tour? Yeah. And that that's the thing. I mean, on the it's because we've got him and they don't. Yeah, on the Monday night at that, that night we were at, it was noticeable at the Open that Stenson was quite quiet. Yeah. Stenson, usually at these things, he's quite outspoken. He's a laugh a minute, but he was noticeably quiet. So kind of everyone knew this is this is going to happen. I just... What do you think of that move? I think it's absolutely insane. I, part of me thinks they've been promised something that we still don't know about. I cannot wrap my head around the fact that these guys are potentially saying we'll never play in another major championship again. But I'm getting $50 million, so I'll take it. I cannot wrap... Brooks Kepka cannot wrap my head around that. That is absolutely insane. Now, I think that speaks to a bit of insecurity on Brooks Kepka's part. I don't have, I, have I had the best out of my career? Do you really think so? I think there's this part the of thing thinks it, that. Because look at the injuries he's had. He must be thinking, I am potentially one more injury away from being done. Yeah, well, maybe. 
And you may, how many times do we say this? There's always conversations behind the te- scenes on tour that you just don't know yeah. happen. Players, things that are in players' heads where they think, I am not good enough. I am, actually, when I look at it, I'm not good enough to compete. Pat Perez has pretty much admitted that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to win. I'm here for the money. It's that thing, what, in your own personal life, what would you do? I mean, we can't obviously talk about somebody giving you $40 million, but if somebody said, you know, I, <laughs> somebody said, you know, if, if, if I gave you 150 grand right now, what, what would you p- be prepared to do for that? And that's how much are you prepared to stop the what you're doing in your current life just to get your hands on that money? And it's all, the, waving goodbye to that. I just do not I, get it. I always it. find that a really weird argument when people put that says as well, because I've had that on social media quite a bit. And by the way, I have no objection to anyone taking the money. That's up to you. If that's your reason, that's your motivation, that's fine. Go on, crack on. But I can't say, what would I do? Because mm-hmm. I don't have financial security for mm-hmm. my family at this point. Yeah, because you're not in the same position. I'm not Charles Howell. I've not made $40 million in the future. Know, so, it's apples and oranges. Uh-huh. So, do I think it's a legitimate reason to take money? Yes. Do I think it's the right reason? If it's the right reason for you, that's fine. It's not for me to say it's not. Do I find it weird? Yes. It's just bizarre, but different people are wired differently. Mm-hmm. You know? Brooks, Bryson, they both had injury problems. Maybe that's just given them a startle. They're never going to admit it publicly. Brooks Kepka show weakness in public. But, the- but he must be thinking, hang on a minute. I've got four majors. I've been world number one. I've won PGA Tour titles. And I could potentially lose everything overnight. So why not take 150 It's It's, it's the uncertainty of it. Like if someone said, we're going to get you involved in this tour. And by the way, see in a couple of years, we'll have world ranking points. The, the points we have will be so much more than the DP World Tour. There'll be huge events. And you'll be able to get access to World Golf Championships through the World Rankings. It's all sorted. That'll get you access to the majors. All good. But it'll take 18 months to get going. I can understand why they would say yes. But that's not been said publicly. I'm just always get this in my back of my head. Have they been told that behind the scenes? Because nobody has said a word about that. They all say the same thing. That's up to the governing bodies to decide. I can't influence that. So... I'm not sure guys like Stenson and Poulter and Westwood care. care. Yeah, but there's Martin Slumbers. He start, started the week by saying we're going to look at the qualifying criteria. Yeah. So clearly, straight away, he said, we are going to look at that. What does that mean? How long are we into this live discussion? Two months, three months, albeit in a serious, real serious yeah. format? Probably two, three months. No one has a clue what's going on. That's unreal. The Super League in football was done, dusted, finished in 48. As soon as people found out about it, done and dusted in 48 hours. We are three months into this, potentially six. Still don't know what's happening. Augusta, nothing. Are these guys going to get to play in Augusta? Don't know. But the RNA have suggested that they're going to tweak the criteria. They're not going to ban anybody who's eligible. They might just make it tougher. Yeah, they might make it tougher, which is an easier way to say they're trying to wheedle them out yeah. but we now have this discussion that why can't we just have a third major tour part okay, of me so think, there's, there's a question why part, can't we? part of me thinks why not and that's that's the whole thing which you know more than most people who have covered this is that the two tours that were involved absolutely were not entertaining that whatsoever they were effectively saying sorry 
we own the status quo. That will not be changing. This is the thing that makes me laugh is when people say, well, you, you can't, you know, operate out with the ecosystem. You have to come in. But you're making it impossible for them to operate within the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You're saying you're not welcome in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Hang on. What the hell? Mm -hmm. There was a willingness. We, we now know it. We've seen the documents. We've seen the minutes of the meetings. There was a willingness to work with the tours. Not this hostile takeover that we've ended up with because the tours wouldn't work with them. Mm -hmm. Look at what's happening in the women's game just now. The LPGA commissioner has said just last week, I'll take Greg Norman's call. Damn right they will. Now, their circumstances are slightly different. They could use the leg up with the money. But just the approach in and of itself, wait, there's someone who wants to work with us. It's look different. At, okay, we'll have the chat. Uh, look at the LAT. LAT <laughs> is... A tour absolutely on its knees. And only existing now because of, not because of LPGA, uh, Aramco because series, of Aramco series, yes. Which is funded by the Saudis. So there is no doubt, if you're running the LET and Greg Norman picks up the phone and says, by the way, put it this way, Greg Norman says, you've got, say, 30 events in your schedule. How would you like to shut that down to 15, but we give you the next 10, 15 years of security? And you'll be partnered, we'll just call it the LPGA, but it'll be LPGA Europe. And it'll be funded by us, we'll do this, do that. Which hand do I bite off first? <laughs> Seriously, you ever watched an LET event? It's not great. Greg Norman's team have the ability to make that huge. You, won't not, you will not find a European-based player who will say a bad word about Aramco. They lap it up because it's transformed their tour. Exactly. And there's an there's a, a thing now where nobody really cares where the money comes from. It's all over sport. You know, we've that's all, the part that's died down is mm -hmm. the sports washing chat for right or for wrong. Think what you want about it, no problem. But that's the part of the conversation that's drifted away because people are now starting to see this for what it is. It's a case of PGA Tour and DP World Tour going, no, no, we're the best. How dare you stay away? Mm -hmm. Do you think they would be resisting half as hard if left? had half the money. Mm -hmm. Of course they wouldn't. They just don't want to be second best or to appear to be. Mm -hmm. They've had it their own way for so long. Frankly, they've had it too easy, which is why it got stale, which is what presented this opportunity. They should. I keep coming back to this point. Jay Monaghan and Keith Pelly should have entertained the discussions more seriously at the outset. Mm -hmm. Keith Pelly has made the wrong call, in my opinion, by going with the PGA Tour because it's not going to win the money fight. It just doesn't. He made the wrong call, in my opinion, but that's fine. That's up to him. I think they've gambled. Massively gambled. They've gambled to. They've gambled thinking this might not take off. Some players, with the way the public opinion's going on this at the start, some players won't join this just because it's so toxic. Mm -hmm. And they've gambled on that, and that's not been the case. If you believe some of the rumours, Cam Smith is joining after the FedEx, but that's a rumour. Can't state that enough. It's yeah. not been proven yet. But I'll tell you something, Bryce, these rumours have not been wrong so far. Uh-huh. And some of the guys, there's a few other names that are coming after FedEx that are said to be joining. And if that happens, it's that's absolutely massive. And it becomes a mainstream tour. It just does because it's got the Open Champion on it. It's got top players on it. It's got some big names. And maybe not necessarily top 20 in the world players. We've now got this massive weight until the Masters and whether these guys get to play because their world ranking is going to suffer. 
yeah, those that are qualified already, I'm sure, are going to get to play. Mm-hmm. And that in itself makes it hard for but look, the Masters but, to turn around and say, now, they can do what the RNA are proposing doing, you know, changing their eligibility criteria. But Augusta, one of its great traditions, one of the things it's most proud of is how it treats its past champions. And look how many treated people at at St Andrews didn't give a single live player any media centre time. But it allowed them to play. Mm -hmm. Augusta, look at the Masters champs that are playing level already, with more to be confirmed, by the way. Mickelson, Garcia, Reid, sure there's more that I can't think of off the top of my head. Is it going to suddenly say, nah, I'm sorry, you guys aren't invited to dinner? Hope in hell. Not a hope, because it's not in their interest. Why pick a side? Mm-hmm. All they care about is the Masters. Yeah, true. The long-term look on this is is the interesting thing for me. And I'm told that they have a plan for sponsorship and they have a plan to commercialise it in a long-term sense. The exact quote was, they're not stupid. They're not just giving money away. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the clue is in the title, though. It's the public investment fund, mm-hmm. not the public charity fund. Mm-hmm. They're in it to make money. The other sports they're in are, are commercial entities. Their F1 involvement is commercial. You know, they don't do it for nothing. It's not like Newcastle have signed every player under the sun this summer. There's, there's been cautious investment. The money, the sums we're talking about are huge, but it's not this scattergun who wants a check next. Uh-huh. Um, so I quite agree. I think the, the future of it is going to be, the immediate future is going to be very, very interesting. As you say, the FedEx Cup concludes... Early in September, then we've got the President's Cup. I gather there's a couple of players who are sticking around because they want to play in that. They want to... That's a huge event, isn't it? Well, I think there are, there are some guys who don't want to be seen as disloyal at this late stage because if they jump ship, then Trevor Immelman, the international captain, doesn't have a huge pool to choose from. Put it this way. Put, it your, put yourself in Henrik Stenson's shoes. Get to be the captain of a European Ryder Cup side. That includes guys like John Ram, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland. You've got the opportunity to right the wrongs of the previous Ryder Cup and become a hero. You get to do that. He's already, I mean, how much money has he got in the bank already? 35, 40 million, Henrik Stenson? Well, he's had to remake it all after the Alan Stanford well, scandal. That's true, but he did. <laughs> so he's, he's not, it's not as if he's... Well, he's he's got financial security, you would think. Yeah, 100%. It just seems, uh, you have to scratch your head and go, you're walking away from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know even being being a Ryder Cup captain opens the doors to a commercial world that you you wouldn't have had at that point in your career. Yeah. Everyone knows that. To walk away from that is, it, it, regardless of the money, it's the Ryder Cup. It's not just the fact he's saying, I'm not going to do that. The thing that rankles with me is the fact that he said, I am going to do that. But he's clearly still been tempted by live throughout it all the, the, the temptation's too it's never much gone away. it's too it's too much for him and i, I just think can't it, say no i think it's a absolutely rotten move by him absolutely rotten just no honor in doing that whatsoever you commit to something see it through yeah will the live money still be on the table in what 14 15 months time probably do you think it's a case of looking at other players going like looking at someone like bryson like there's brooks there's Bryson DeChambeau. What did he take? Over 100 million. Can you imagine? Is Brooks sitting watching that going, wait a minute, he's getting 100 million for this. He's getting 100 million. How much have I got in the bank? 35 million, 40 million. 
if I play the next 10 years, I'll probably get another 30, 40 million, sign a deal, blah, blah, blah. He's just made... He's made Tiger Woods entire PGA Tour career earnings by signing his name. Signing his name. And I'm, I've got 35 million. Can, you've got to rankle with yourself. You've got to say, can I continue what I'm doing now with what I've got in the bank and the investments that I've got? I mean, I'm pretty sure Brooks Kepka doesn't live in a two-bed bungalow. <laughs> he lives in a $10 million house. I mean, Ricky Fowler's got a $14 million house. So I'm sure Brooks is doing all right. So he's got to turn around and say, yeah, you know what? I do want that money. I actually, I've decided... I'd rather have the money than the competition element. But then there's that whole thing of everything you've done in your life up to that point, you're just, all the hard work and all the dedication, the grinding on the range, I'm saying goodbye to that because it now doesn't matter what I do because yeah. I'm absolutely minted. Yeah, and as I say, I, I don't really have any issue with anybody taking that money. But you've got to question the thought process of that. That's what I don't get. Yeah, again, you sort of look at that and you go, well, what is there to question? Their, their thought process is, I'd rather be filthy rich than necessarily one of the game's greats and most successful players of all time. Put it, so I, I, I do get it, but I just... Look at the look at the, look at at Richie Ramsey winning yesterday. Yep. Look, he's not winning a lot of money. Look at the absolute relief for the hard work that he's put in the last seven years, the pain that he's been through in the last seven years. To get that, look how much it means. When you move to live, it, it's a diff- It's just a different world. It's like it's like an exhibition, and it is because it's not. They haven't grafted to mm. be there. It's the Harlem Globetrotters. Would you rather be a Harlem Globetrotter, to, yeah. or would you rather play in the NBA? I know. It's just that's the part of it that I don't. I don't quite get. I think live will be if live keeps going. I think live will eventually get acceptance in three to four or five years. When guys qualify and have a a route of tournament progression mm. through it, I think at the moment they're trying to get it off the ground, and it's a bit weird. It's a bit ugly. Some of it I don't like, but I think we have to accept that it's probably going to be here. And in three, four, five years, you know what? It might be quite entertaining. Well, we're going to see what happens next. I guess we just have to sit back, wait, and try our best to keep up. Bear in mind, we didn't think this was going to happen. I certainly didn't. You certainly didn't. I, I didn't think it was going to happen like this. And I'm sad for the game, to be honest. I know that sounds incredibly overly emotional and all that sort of stuff, but I am. Golf is just now so fractured, so divided, yeah. and doesn't feel like a good time for the game, does it? You know, change brings around uncertainty and makes you question stuff and all that kind of thing, But and nobody likes change and blah, blah, blah. Just, it feels like golf is in the gutter. A little bit at the moment. I don't necessarily like that. And I certainly don't like Henrik Stenson's, Stenson's decision. I thought that was, to use Greg Norman's words, it was reprehensible. Anyhow, look, we'll talk more about Liv, I'm sure, in uh, in weeks to come. I want to find out how you're getting on with this quiz, Bryce. So, to remind listeners before the break, I asked Bryce to name the nine players who made the cut in all four men's majors in 2022. Nine names I'm looking for. Let's see how many you get. Fire away. Rory. Correct. Ricky Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ricky. No. Uh, Cam Smith. No. Damn. Adam Scott. 
No. Oh, God. By the way, I I'm stood really next to Adam here. at the open on the Saturday night, about two meters away from him. So safe enough that Did he, he smell nice? COVID. Smelled phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's. Uh... And the clothes aren't as bad up close. They look even better on the floor, but <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Genuinely though, the clobber's not. You're that a bad. married man. Yes, oh, I'm telling you though, the clobber. He has got a good body. Yeah, let's just stick to the fact he that he smells an, great, and the clothes are actually better than the look. Yeah, TV. he's annoyingly handsome. He really is. Yes. Uh, okay, so you're still on Rory. He does have that sort of little squeaky voice, but anyway, Scheffler. No, <sighs> this is a disaster. Matt Fitzpatrick. Yes. Sam Burns. No. Damn. Sander. Sam Burns missed the cut of the master. Oh, for Christ's sake. I'm not going to remember that. You put money on him, did you not? Z- no. Did I? I thought you did. No idea. Sander, no. Oh, come on. I'm going to give you two more names. Will Zalatoris. Yes. Yes. Justin Thomas. Yes. Yes. I'm done. That was my name. Okay, so you got four out of nine. That's great. So I'll give you them and their aggregate scores to par if Is you wish. John Ram one of them? Yes, that's Great. five. So Rory McIlroy, he's a combined 29 under for the four majors. Decent. Will Zalatoris, next closest, 21 under. Matt Fitzpatrick, you also got 16 under. Justin Thomas, he didn't win the Open, Bryce. No, what happened he there? He didn't. No, he didn't. Um, Sorry, I should be a bit unlucky. He's a bit unlucky. Yeah, so he's Played well. three under. Did you see his top on 18? Yes. That's the one thing I've said this for a long time Justin Thomas always has a brain fart in him Always Every single big tournament He has a major brain fart That was his I mean that was a proper top You know when people sometimes say Oh they they topped it But it's a professional golfer top And it goes 280 Yeah That was a stone cold That was a top That was bouncing over the road Yes So Thomas He was three under combined only four players under par for the four majors. Then you've got John Ram, as you said, four over. Hideki Matsuyama, oh, six over. His get up is atrocious. Some of his clothes colouring is terrible. Yeah, but move on. That'll look good on live. Uh, oh, Joaquin Neiman next. Really, thirteen over. Then Patrick Reed. Pat. Yeah, P. Reed, fifteen over. And last, but by no means least, 19 over par combined, Tyrrell Hatton. Oh. So not bad. I'm, I'm not giving you Ram because we called time of death on it, so I'm giving you four out of nine. So if you're listening and you got more than four, congratulations, you beat Bryce. And oh, to hell with it, you can join me on next week's pod because you're on holiday and I need someone <laughs> to come along. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on, Podder of Merit. We've actually got a couple to catch up on. Scottish Open, you picked Scotty Scheffler, he missed the cut. I picked Colin Morikawa, he also missed the cut, and he missed the cut in his open defence. Things are not right just now for young Colin. Having the first kind of slump of his professional career. Yeah. Strange, considering where we were 12 months ago, and you waxing lyrical about how he was the greatest golfer ever to play the game and basically all he had to do was show up and he would win stuff and oh, look at us now. <laughs> That's actually what I said. <laughs> word for word. <laughs> so no points there. Great. Both our players missed the cut. Brilliant. So we went to the Open. Bryce, you picked, surprise, surprise, Justin Thomas. I think you picked him in March. Tied for 53rd. 
Oh dear. I went for Rory. Oh, what a surprise. Third. So, as it stands, the scores on the doors. Bryce, one. Michael, five. Yes. Listen, this is is becoming embarrassing. As much as I I love winning. It's a kicking. You need to do something. It's a kicking. I know Pat Perez is going to turn it around this week, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to get absolutely slaughtered for this. And you know what? Fine, I don't care. So, a few events taking place. We've got the Hero Open at Fairmont St Andrews, Grant Forrest, defending champion. We also have an event in the States. Rocket Mortgage Classic. Rocket Mortgage. Brilliant name. What do they do? <laughs> I'll tell you what they don't do, and that is sponsor Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, that's the one that Bryson won last year, wasn't it? I think. Two years ago. Two years ago. And, oh, he's also lost his sponsorship deal with Bridgestone as well. Yeah. The House of Cards is following but uh, who cares? He's got 115 million in the bank. If you got 115 million, would you buy a property or a supercar first? Uh, ooh, good question. I I would drive the supercar and drive to the property that I'm going to buy. <laughs> you know what? I would I would buy the supercar because then I could show up in Bishop Riggs. Yeah, and yeah. it would just look totally out of place. That'd ah, be brilliant. All the neighbours going, what? What's this about? Has Michael he joined Love? <laughs> Like David Fair, we didn't even go there. Yeah. I'll be honest, just another. I get the signing. They and have, I get, they have I to get have why, something. I get, yeah, because their commentary's been chronic. <laughs> I get why people... Oh, it's a hole in one! Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> what was that? It was six minutes into the broadcast at Centurion. <laughs> it's the first buddy in live golf history! <laughs> of course it is. It's the first event. Yeah, and the first hole. So everyone just what? That's the shotgun start, mate. <laughs> Someone's gonna have a par in about eight seconds. The first birdie in live golf history. Brilliant. And you know what? It was so important, no one remembers who had I know. it. Brilliant. But yep, thirty. Very, very quickly. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I think his his shtick is it's dad patter. It's just here I am, I'm a bit of the court jester. I get that people love it. And the sad thing is that see if you Strip away all of the desperately trying to be funny all the time. That guy knows golf better than pretty much anyone else calling the action. So he'll be a really good addition, but it's going to be watched on mute this week, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder how much he's getting. Probably something quite considerable. Like 20 million. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. So on that point, Live Golf Invitational Bedminster or whatever it's called, because the event names need a bit of work. That is the event that we are doing for Podder of Merit this week. Don't at us. So, Bryce, it's not your honour, because you don't win points anymore. It's my <laughs> honour. And I am going to go with... I feel like I should pick a South African, because, well, yeah. they've won the first two events. I'm going DJ. Oh, bollocks. Was that who you wanted? Yeah, no, I think I'll stick with Pat Perez. <laughs> You're laughing, but he did really well in the first event. Well, he won a million. Well, he say, shot 81, did he not? He did. It's pretty good. <laughs> is that honestly who you're picking? No, no, it's not. I'm going to go with a, a form player in golf. I'm going to go with Char Schwarzel. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to pick a South African. Come on. I'm going to go with him. Schwarzel for he's got two all the, wins out of three. He's got all the, he's got all the live form, let's be honest. He suits the 54-hole no-cut format. Easy, Arlo White. Jeez. <laughs> He's got all the live form from the <laughs> two events that there's been. 
Yeah, he's won 50%. It's the first podder of merit event in live history. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going with him. Really? Yeah, why not? Charles Schwarzel versus Dustin Johnson. And we'll know who the winner is on Saturday night. So, I think they're still showing it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And they're apparently signing a TV deal. With? Don't know. Good uh, info. Paramount or something like that. Disney. Brilliant intel there, Bryce. That's yeah. why we come to you for the exclusives. They're signing a TV deal. <laughs> really? Who with? I don't, don't so one thing I don't understand is like ne- TV networks in the States. I can't get my head around it. Like Sky, Cable, what they pay for, what you don't pay for. I didn't realise TV in the States is really expensive. And they don't have like, I don't know how they're like, terrestrial TV is. I don't even think they know what that means. TV TV in the States is really complicated. Yeah. It's a complicated network. When they say things like, oh, that's on cable. Is that like Sky? Is that pay-per-view? No idea. Don't know. NBC and CNBC and CNN and everything's three letters. (laughs) Level fit in nicely. It's funny, isn't it? Golf seems to be really vulnerable to three-letter threats. Last year it was Pip. This year it's Liv. Yeah. What's next? Right then, let's finish up with Honesty Box. And as I've said a couple of times, men's major golf is over for 2022. It only started in April. It's not even August. And we've got, what, nine months of a wait. The window itself is, yeah, so eight months. The window itself is four months long. And there is a train of thought that that is just much too short. It's always been short, but the PGA moving has made it even shorter. So the question, Bryce, is very, very simple. Is it time, considering all the disruption in the game just now, and with the PGA Tour going through some pretty dramatic changes of its own, is it time for a fifth major to plug a bit of that gap? And if so, what and where should it be? No. <laughs> Great. Let's move on. I don't. Uh, I know it's the weight just seems ridiculous now to the Masters, but it does create excitement. And the reason we have that weight now is ironically on the PGA Tour because they wanted to own the calendar year. They wanted to own every month. They wanted huge events from February all the way through to September, October, where they had massive events with the majors, culminating in the finish of the FedEx. And then they had their full series. But someone else has turned up and potentially disrupted that. Mm-hmm. But I don't... Does it suck that there's no huge event now in men's golf? Yeah, it does. But it makes the build-up to the Masters. Like, as soon as it hits January, February, you're already excited about mm-hmm. the Masters. But is that healthy for the sport itself? You know what? Probably not. I went to the return to the football on Saturday and it doesn't feel like we sat in your seat friendly I know but it doesn't feel like you've been away that long mm-hmm. feels like maybe just a couple of months it doesn't feel like it's been you know same old rubbish basically yeah shut at you <laughs> you said yeah I know sorry but that that feels a bit healthier yeah but for golf it just it does seem a bit strange but we did say when it was the players I know you're going to say same thing, but what, 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 where, well, before I ask you that, where do you stand on it? Do you want a fifth major? Kind of, but not not as much. More than I did last year, not as much as I probably will next year, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Because the window is 
horrendously short. I think that golf needs its best players all playing together. And that it looks like the majors, the way things are going, could be the only place to get that. So if you're telling me we're going to get to see them four times a year, but that window is condensed into four months, I don't think that's very good for the sport. No, I think I think mainstream sport needs to see Pat Perez more often. And I you think know that's, what I mean. what, that's what people want. You need to see Bryson pegging it up against Rory, I think. Yeah. And I, I know, it, it sucks that we're not going to get to see that any more than four times a year. But if those four times a year were April, June, July... September or October that's okay you can live with that because live with that because it's on a permanent cycle whereas just now it's like fits and starts there's your little burst of brilliant golf now it's done but you don't so you don't want a fifth major if you did what would it be the Aussie Open we'll move it to the other side of the world it certainly wouldn't be the players like I know the players is a big deal and it's got a great field. Might not have that great a field next year. Or certainly is. To say it. this though, it did. That felt like a huge event. The the players yeah. does have that feeling of being massive. Players feels more like a major than the PGA does. I know, and that's true. PGA was just Turgid. a brutal watch. It was. It was a brutal watch. But if you're going to have a fifth major, it has to be in the southern hemisphere for a start. And it has to go to an established country that's done tons for the game, that has a national open that's been around for years and years and years. So it's either South Africa or Australia. I think Australia wins it. I would love to see the status of the Aussie Open elevated. D- does that mean elevating all the way to full major status? Don't know. But it's definitely the best candidate for me. Stuff the players. It's, it can continue to be the flagship event in the PGA Tour, and that is enough. Stuff the players, he says. That'll go down well with Jay. That's stuff your premier event. Listen. Stuff the event I, that you've now added more money into than anything else and is now worth, what, 25 million? Who cares? It's just money. And this is the thing that sucks. Would the best players in the world still show up for the players if it was only 20 million? Is that extra 5 million making all I the know. difference? Give I me know. a break. But I... I, I do you think it has elevated it to something? I think the players is a bigger event now than it was three, four years ago. Now That's you, not you just the prize money. Why. Well, yeah, no, I know, but I think the prize money... It's the money, gold man. I think... <laughs> I think prize money plays a pretty yeah. important part in that machine. Yeah. It's certainly not going to be a love event. It's going to be a major. <laughs> but, you know, people people get precious about it and say, oh, you can't add majors... Who decided that these were the four biggest events? It wasn't like everyone sat down and discussed it. It that, just that's, evolved. That's the heritage of the game, and I suppose that's just the way it goes. The, the question would be, if you were to elevate, say, the Aussie Open to major status, does that then mean that everyone who's won the Aussie Open no. is retroactively a major champion? No. I don't think it does. No. But they did that with the, the Women's Open. And I know. This is why it's hard to have this conversation, because half the time, people who are very much in the no camp don't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. like oh well the women's open is the, it's not the oldest mm-hmm. it was an let event to begin with mm-hmm. then it became an lpg event then it became and it's become, major huge, championship. It's become, it's become hugely bigger. respected yeah yeah i just think the avian championship got boosted up fine okay i as i said earlier I'm, i don't feel like it's a major yet but the players do and that's all that counts give me one more event i'm actually talking myself into it i feel like there should be no I just don't. I don't think you can change golf's history and makeup for the men's game like that. I, don't, I don't, just don't think it would work, and I don't think they will ever do it. Because I tell you mm-hmm. what, if they start t- changing things, that 
really doesn't help their argument when it comes to live because the thing is they want to say the status quo we've got right now is the way it should be. Oh, that's look. Don't then get me wrong. Start I'm, changing I'm, things. I'm not expecting them to change it. No, I'm thinking that there's actually a pretty strong case for doing so. Mm. Look, give us your thoughts. Get in touch via Twitter. Send us a DM. Let us know what you think. Should there be a fifth men's major, and why, and where would it be? That is just about it for this week. Bryce, like I said, you are going on your holidays, so you're not around next week or the week after. I've got some work to do to find uh, an adequate replacement. Yeah, I don't know who you're going to get to do that. I'll scrape the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, somewhere. well, you'll have to because there's no way they'll be any good as me. <laughs> Where are you off to? Uh, south of France, darling. Oh, lovely. <laughs> sure, the wine, wineries, darling. Wine country. Wine country. Let's take some back, fill up the claret jug. Wonderful <laughs> scenes. <laughs> I'll wear my red chinos. <laughs> yeah, that's, you have red chinos. I know, but I don't wear them with a tweed jacket. Yet. Yeah. Well, that'll be nice, though. South of France. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about the flying. That could be a disaster. Why? Oh, right, yeah, because of... You're watching the news, yeah. I thought you were talking about the fact that the plane might go down. No, I'm not. I'm not concerned about that. Just concerned about your luggage making it. Yes. Don't worry. When they open the bag and they see your clobber, they'll go, fine, just let them have it. No one needs that. <laughs> have a great time. Thank you very much. And thank you very much to you for listening to Callaway for their continued support. We'll be back. <laughs> we. I'll be back next week. Don't know who I'll have, but we'll figure it out somewhere along the line. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>